Good morning. Uh, this is Father Samuel Schneider. Uh, with me is Father Melosha, who you should know, who's been a member of the parish. Of course, he's going to be heading out on the Reagan very soon. Very soon. <laughs> very soon. Uh, but we want to record and talk a little bit about Mary. Month Mar- May is the month for Mary. And so we've got a little bit of information in the bulletin already about kind of apparitions, but we want to talk a little bit more about her. One short story that I want to share about uh, apparitions is... Mary has kind of thrown her through her apparitions, I think, shown that she's a Packers fan. Well, how do I come to that conclusion? Well, I come to that conclusion because the only Marian approved site in the United States is in Champion, Wisconsin. Well, where's Champion, Wisconsin? It's actually right next to Green Bay, Wisconsin, just probably a half an hour out of town. And Mary appeared to uh, a young girl there who, uh, and in the late 1800s, to specifically encourage uh, for catechesis, that people in the countryside weren't being catechized. And so she actually started religious order to catechize. But that Marian apparition site was never an officially approved site. It wasn't until Bishop Ricken uh, finally kind of started to push it and they, more investigation. And in 2010, uh, 2009, actually, it was a, a finally an approved Marian apparition site. Well, that year for the Green Bay Packers started out <laughs> as 0-4. And after Mary got approved as a Marian apparition site just outside of Green Bay in Champion, Wisconsin, the Packers, even though that they lost their first four games, they ended up pretty much winning out the rest of the season, starting as a wild card with 11 players on individual ready reserve, and then one out to win the Super Bowl in the winter of 2010. And so I think Mary had a lot to do with that. Now, unfortunately, we haven't won any more Super Bowls since then, but maybe, you know, she wanted to be fair to her other you know, <laughs> children as well. But uh, so I always love that as a Wisconsin, as a Packer, as a Packer fan to be able to do that. But that's not where our devotion for Mary comes from. And that's not why we pray to her, right? Because really she's not about, uh, as God is, about uh, winning Packer games or not, right? No, she's that's, about winning souls. She's about winning souls, right? And she'll do that in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe letting the Packers win is one of those ways. <laughs> I have, well, I have to say she certainly uh, hits the, the devil like a middle lineman from the Packers, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So there's a lot of good analogies there. So I have Father Militia along with you. I really wanted him to talk a little bit more about, like, why we pray to Mary. I think uh, one thing I really love about Father Militia is he's a great devotion to Mary and, and just has a great passion for Marian devotion. And so I was wondering, one of the things that, you know, Catholics, we grow up in a in a Marian environment. You know, we mm-hmm. pray the rosary. There's kind of an assumption of a relationship with Mary, but a lot of times we don't necessarily understand why until maybe we're challenged or maybe as we understand more. Now, Mary's not God, so why, you know, and one of the things that we sometimes get challenged on and, and that scripture says is that Jesus is the sole mediator. There's and, no other mediator. Amen. So, mediator Father Melosha, what can you say about that? Well, first, thank you, Father Schneider, for inviting me to be a part of this, to be able to speak to the people even from uh, afar. Uh, before I give my answer, I would like to begin, as we should all things, with a little prayer, a little devotion to Our Lady. And what better prayer to pray? I have many favorite Marian prayers, but let's uh, choose the one God himself wrote for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Good Counsel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes. Well, thank you. The key about what I love about Mary is you see in her all of God's love for us, all of his promises for us, and just how much he wants us involved in all that he does, in the work of salvation history. You see throughout salvation history that God gives men and women roles to play. It is God who chooses them. And often the people he chooses are like, why me, Lord? I am the poorest. I am the weakest. I am the youngest. Why me? And God chooses who he will, and no one's going to argue with him. Now, God has chosen for Our Lady from the beginning of time. When our, well, from our, when our parents first fell, he revealed his plan for a new woman, a woman who would totally crush the head of the serpent. And how just is that, that God, you know, the human race being brought down by a fallen angel to a temptation, going after the woman first, that you think you'll conquer me through a woman? No, I'm going to conquer you through a woman. God always has a way of humiliating his So how enemies. do you say that Mary is the one who uh, won the salvation? I mean, again, wasn't it Jesus yes, who it won was. the salvation? So going back to the different things of roles God gave, let's go back to that one thing of soul mediator. A mediator. Jesus is priest, prophet, and king. And that's what a priest does, one who mediates in the, between God and men. But at the same time, one would have to ask, if Jesus is our sole mediator, then how come I can ask Father to pray for me? Or any of the people, any good friend, even a Protestant, I can ask them, oh, would you please pray for me? And they'll readily agree, even though they say, but there's only one mediator. How is this possible? Because we are all one united in the body of Christ by our baptism. There are various roles of St. Paul says, different, same body, but different members. We are all members of Christ by our baptism. Being united with him in our baptism allows us to pray and mediate and intercede for others because we are united with Christ, the one sole mediator. So you're saying that, Mary, you know, we just ask her to pray for us like other people, but it kind of seems a little bit different. I mean, why do oh, we... Oh, it's very different. You know? Remember what it says in Proverbs, the prayer of a holy man is powerful indeed. Now, what is holiness? Holiness means likeness to God, closeness to God. The more holy a person is, the closer they are to God, the more united their will is to God. That's why you see a saint able to, like, say a single Hail Mary and get whatever they ask for from God, whereas me, I might say sure. ten rosaries before I finally get it. Why is that? Because that saint, their, holy, their will is so much more attuned and in line with the will of God, so that anything they ask of God, they are much more likely to receive. Well, there is no creature in heaven or on earth that God has created that has more uniformity of will with God, who is holier. She, in fact, she's holier than all other saints and angels combined than Our Lady. She is so perfectly united to the will of God that it makes her intercession more powerful than all the other members of the church combined. And that's saying something, because even praying to you know, uh, uh, any saint in heaven, you, miracles are obtained. Miracles are obtained by saints on earth. I've seen it. But Our Lady, she has a singular position that God has given her because she is full of grace. And as a result, her intercession is most powerful indeed, because she is more, who is more united to Christ than his mother? Yeah. 
So one of the things uh, that we sometimes, uh, for the intercession, one of my favorite scripture stories is the wedding feast of Cana, mm-hmm. which has a huge amount of theology. Oh, it has a theology we could talk for uh, hours marriage, on that right? alone. <laughs> uh, but especially, I love the Marian, you know, kind of direction there, and especially about holiness, you know, being close to God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and being full of grace, that Mary has this special relationship with God uh, by being specially chosen and full of grace, but also has this relationship of mother. Yes. As well. And so I don't know if I, if you have, you know, some kind of thoughts, uh, you know, kind of breaking down that story a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. Uh, First, many people mistaken because all of our Bibles are in English. You know, I know a good Italian son, I would never call my mother woman when I was a kid, right. not unless I want a nice handprint up the side <laughs> of my face. That's right. And in that story, when Mary asks Jesus, she says, woman, what does this have to do with me? Well, yes. You have to understand now, if you look at the actual language of the scriptures, the title woman Christ is using is not the Hebrew Ishma, but a higher title, a singular title that only appears a very few times in scripture, always when talking about a very specific woman. It goes back to Genesis when the father said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. What woman was he talking about? Not the woman there who had just sinned. She obviously wasn't at enmity with Satan. You know, our Lord, this word is, yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's a, it's a, it's a Greek word, but it's, it's it translates roughly to gene. It literally means the woman, like in all flashing neon lights and all caps. Like So the e- woman. Eve was the first woman. And mm-hmm. So we kind of think of her as woman. And so you're saying that Jesus in this woman reference isn't a distancing but is in fact identifying her as the new Eve. Exactly. He's identifying her. He's calling back. He's calling Our Lady by her singular title that was named by the God the Father originally in the garden, showing that Jesus is acknowledging her role, acknowledging her connection to God's plan of salvation. And by using that title, he was almost like pleading with his mother because he hadn't planned to start his ministry just yet. Because he said, he's saying, once I do this, you are going to be the woman, the woman of sorrows, the woman who has to crush the head. Do you really want to end now? I was hoping maybe for we could have a little more pleasant time together. (laughs) Right, because once he starts his ministry in John, everything is ordered towards his death. The cross. And And she, and how does our Lord, uh, you know, know, so he starts, he alters his plan at Our Lady's request. Now, nothing happens by chance. Christ did this to teach us why to go to Mary, just like the servants did, you know, trust in her. And then her final, of course, recorded words in Scripture is what Mary's entire role is. She leads us to Christ. Do whatever he tells you to do. Yeah. She is the master at, of holiness. I love that line after, after you know, woman, what, what, what does this have to do with me and you? Mm-hmm. And, and she just turns to the servants and tells them, you know, do whatever he tells you, which is a beautiful, again, Mary always directs us to her son. And, uh, but her confidence in her son as well is just uh, out of this world because, again, she knows that Jesus is going to uh, fulfill her request. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't argue with him at this point. Mm-hmm. She just tells, do whatever he tells you and, and it'll be good. Um, and clearly she gets what she wants. She gets, <laughs> Mary always gets what she wants. The queen mom yeah. always gets what she wants. <laughs> she does. Okay. But she wants what God wants. That's right. That's right. Uh, one of the other phrases that sometimes is used in scripture to kind of distance us from Mary is that there's one point where a uh, woman, somebody cries out in the crowd and says, 
you know, Jesus, blessed is the, uh, is the woman who nursed you, right? Mm-hmm. And bl- blessed is your mother, right? Yes, yes. And Jesus says, no. Blessed instead are those who hear the will of God. Hear the and word of God it. and obey it. That is a, one of my, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that one. Before my big Marian conversion that happened when I was a teenager, I struggled because I had many Protestant friends who would pick and pull at me all the time over praying because I would be a good Catholic. I'd pray my rosary like I know I should, but I didn't understand why. And they threw that scripture verse at me, and that was a real head scratcher for me. I didn't know how to make of it, and so I couldn't find an answer, so I just prayed for one. I said, God, you, you obviously know everything. Please just show me, and I'll never forget. It came to me, and our Lord said, Who heard the will of God and, and obeyed it, heard the word of God and obeyed it better than anyone. Our Lord was not downing his mother. He's saying, yes, it's glorious that she my, was my physical, more, uh, uh, physical mother, but what makes her more glorious besides, he's pointing to her example, was her perfect obedience. And as you see that many times, he's referencing what you see, see later written in scripture, Mary kept all these things, all these words He's yeah. got the words of God and pondered them in her heart. Blessed yeah. are those who hear the word of God and keep it in their heart. Mary so the does holiness, that the holiness and the blessedness isn't just because we're rubbing elbows with Jesus or <laughs> like, hey, I get to rub elbows with the priest, so oh, I'm holy. It's no. about doing the will of God. It's which doing Mary the will of God, did. which creates intimacy between creature and creator, which is right. what God intended us for. Good. Um, one of the other uh, beautiful scriptures, I guess, to kind of finish off the scriptures, one of the last things that... Jesus did as he as he died on the cross, and it's specifically recorded in John's Gospel, mm-hmm. is that he turns to his beloved disciple, which we never get the name, although it's always purported to be you oh, know, John. It's, it's confirmed. It's confirmed. By, by, That's true. By, John, the, by John. By John. Mm-hmm. By the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're correct. Uh, but in the Gospels, they don't they don't tell us. Yeah, that's uh, because John doesn't want to write it, that it's him. He just, <laughs> he's, right. he's trying to be humble. But it's mm-hmm. also beautiful because we can put our place in that, in, in the beloved disciple and as well. That's why John also wrote that title. He's, he's not being presumptuous. No, what makes the saints holy is not their love for God, but how they grow in love God by being aware of how much God loves them. So he always wrote the disciple whom Jesus loved because the beloved disciple grew in knowledge of, look how much our Lord loves me. Right. And that's what made him a saint. So at the final at the final cross, uh, beautifully, uh, Jesus, you know, does he turn to? Does he turn? He first, he first, he first turns, you know, uh, to the woman, Mary. To Mary, you know, woman, behold your son, and then to John's son, behold your mother. And so the church fathers have always kind of said that this is the moment when kind of Mary was given over. Uh, to be the mother yes. of all of us. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And this is also when the prophesied sword of Simeon, because remember what Simeon said to Mary when she presented Christ in the temple, fulfilling the, the, the law, even though they weren't subject to, they didn't need any purification. Jesus was without sin. She was without sin, but they, of course, they keep and are humble and obedient to the, to the, to the then written covenant of God. But the sword of sorrow prophesied by Simeon, what he said to her, and you yourself a sword shall pierce. This is a line that many of our Protestant brethren just skip over. Like, they don't even notice it. And once you point it out to them, they watch them ponder it. Yeah. Your own heart a sword shall pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Simeon is revealing the coming role, the role that Our Lady is meant to play in salvation history, that she is this new Eve, that just as Adam and Eve became the parents of all who would die in sin for a new creation, because our Lord says, behold, I make all things new, it requires a new Adam 
and a new Eve that will give birth to children, not destined to die, but of life, to live forever. And at that point, Our Lady's sorrow was so perfect, because remember, she's perfectly united to God in her will, in her heart. She also is without sin, so none of her intellect or emotions are tainted and all over the place like ours are by the effect of original sin. So she could feel more precisely and suffer more terribly as a result yeah, than I think sometimes, any human being who's ever lived. Sometimes we think if we do everything right that mm-hmm. we won't suffer. But Mary, I think, is one of the best examples. I mean, Jesus clearly, but he, mm-hmm. he, his role was to, was to suffer and die on the yeah. cross and to destroy death by death itself. But Mary is, is perfect, right? Perfect. perfect. And yet suffers in this horrible, intense way, watching her son die, mm-hmm. being pierced by the cross, uh, by the death of her son, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of shows us that, again, holiness and doing everything perfect doesn't exactly get us out of pain and suffering. No, it doesn't. In fact, obedience to the will of God is always a cross. That's why our Lord said, if anyone be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And Mary did that better than all other disciples because she surrendered her own son. Because remember, a mother has maternal rights over her child, and she had to give that up, surrender that, and offer it on the cross, her own maternal rights. It began in the temple when Simeon first told her of the sword. That's when she started to become the mother of sorrows, destined to be crucified with her son. And because she was perfectly obedient to the will of God, God, she merited the role that God had intended, which was to be the new Eve, the mother. God wants us to merit things. Once we're in grace, we can merit things because, as we said before, we're united in Christ, and now our works have merit. She was always united to God since the moment of her conception. She was immaculately conceived, so she could merit far more than us, but it's in the singular, all building up to the singular act of obedience, uniting herself to the will of a cross, that she merited at that moment to be the new Eve, the mother of all the living, which is why Christ gives her to us this role of mother. So she's mother. So she's mother of us, and mothers love their children. Oh, they do. Absolutely. (laughs) Even the bad ones. (laughs) Exactly. Even the bad ones. Pray for them even more, right? Yes, the mother always loves the child Uh, child even more. Yes, exactly. So mother's a great interceder for especially wayward uh, wayward us and and for other people as well. Uh, But one of the roles that's interesting is if, if Christ is king, right? Jesus Christ. Christ is king of the Indeed. universe, uh, but Mary is queen, and that's kind of a little bit strange for some people. Like, mm-hmm. why is Mary queen when Jesus is king? You know, because we often think of king and queens being married. Yes. Uh, can you explain that a little yes. bit? Yes. Not a queen bride, but the queen mother. What, why? Yeah, where does that come Very from? Very good. The queen mother, in traditional roles, was always the one truly closest to the crown. You see this, for example, in the scriptures of when David, King David, and the queen, uh, Bathsheba, whenever someone wanted something from David, they would ask, you know, the queen. Now, Mary does have a certain relationship. Or Solomon and Bathsheba, right? Because Solomon, yes. Sol- Solomon and Bathsheba. Yes. David, David. Remember they went to, when the, before right. Na- the prophet Nathan went to David, I got a little yeah. uh, mixed up there. No, we'll come back to that in a moment. But what I want to say is Mary has two relationships. Physically, physically, she is the mother of Christ. But spiritually, yeah. she is his bride because he is yeah. a new Adam yeah. and they are new Eve. But it's not a union of bodies. It's a union of soul, that perfect union of soul that births the new church. Okay. okay. 
And and so we do see in uh, so she is queen by yeah. by declaration as a result. So we see in the Hebrew king or mm-hmm. in the Israel kingdom that often the king mm-hmm. uh, was crowned, and whoever his mother was was mm-hmm. the queen. This this kind of because they often had multiple wives, yes, exactly. and so there wasn't the the one queen yes, was the was mother. The, no, it's the queen mother exactly. Okay. okay. And uh, the other incredible thing about, and just think about the natural role a mother plays. Like, for example, whenever I would get in trouble and I knew I had to go face dad, and that's a terrifying prospect, I would sometimes ask mom to come with me. Why? Because dad seeing mom, it's gonna, he's still, I'm still going to get in trouble, but I know it's going to be softened a bit. He's going to show a little bit more uh, you know, you know, mercy because mom is there. And that's the same role our lady plays with us and us poor sinners by interceding for us. Mary takes everything we bring her and magnifies it. St. Louis Marie de Montfort, I think, put it in the best example of it's like you're the poor, little, dirty peasant child wanting to bring your dirty apple to the king. Well, the the queen, you go to her first, and she takes you, not only cleans you up, but then cleans your gift up, embellishes it, puts it on a silver platter, you know, makes it look beautiful, and she presents it and says, this is a gift from my servant, and how much more fitting, how much more appreciated is it by the king that, you know, does the gift come? Mary says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And that is her role. Everything we bring her, she improves, she perfects. Mary is my broker. <laughs> I bring her everything. One of the other examples I like to kind of think of in terms of mediation mm-hmm. is that Jesus is the one mediator, but everything is mediated. Even mediation is mediated. Exactly. So it's an interesting thing to kind of think about. But uh, I kind of like the idea of like, if you're trying to dig a hole, you can use your hands, mm-hmm. but that would be stupid. Uh, you know, you should use a shovel. Yep. But so that's kind of using now you know something in between other people, you and yeah, in, in the earth. Be, but the it's earth, more right? effective. But it's more effective. But even better, like Mary is like a big backhoe. You know, yeah. <laughs> and she. Uh, you know, I never thought of her in that terms, but but yes, she she is definitely the excavator uh, of par excellence. And it's also in the, looking at it in a term of family. God loves it when we go to Him in prayer. He loves yes. to see you coming. But I'm sure he loves it even more when he sees you coming with his mother. That's God. exactly right. That's a, that's a good point. So a lot of people, yeah, like, why would you, if God, if you want to go to Jesus, why would you distract yourself mm-hmm. with Mary, right? Isn't that taking your gaze away from Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, not at all. Again, Mary keeps nothing for herself. It's like looking at a beautiful piece of art. I can you know, sit down, for example, I, I'm telling people all the time you should meditate every day and pray. It's pretty easy for me to meditate. You know, well, it's a challenge sometimes. If I'm just sitting there, it gets a bit easier if I have, say, a crucifix to look at because it gets something my mind to focus on. It's even easier if I'm sitting in the Sistine Chapel and looking at how the heart and mind is elevated to God. And that's what happens when we go to Our Lady. She is so full of grace and God gave her to the, us this for this very role that by imitating her virtue, it accelerates our own growth in holiness. You can't but help but get close to Our Lady and be made sanctified because she's so beautiful, she's so loving, she's so wonderful, and her intercession is so powerful. And what child doesn't want to please you know, their mother? She helps us to be good children of the Father. That is the role of a mother. A mother teaches her children, protects her children, nurtures her children, and the spiritual life is no different, which is precisely why God gave us a mother. He chose this role. This wasn't made up by the church. It wasn't made up by Pope. This is God's idea, not ours. He assigned the role, and who are we to argue with it? 
Good. I'd like to talk about two last things mm-hmm. about the way that we is it is it do we worship Mary and then about the Rosary just in, in general. Ah, very so, good. Uh, you know, when we go to Mary, it seems like sometimes because we have a statue of Mary and we have mm-hmm. a statue of Jesus, are we praying to Mary in the same way that we pray to Jesus? Are we worshiping Mary very because we have statues? What a lovely what a uh, I think it's a convert to Catholicism gave this story. He he you know didn't like Catholics and he pulled into uh, you know because they worship stat you know mm-hmm. they worship worship statues, oh, yeah. uh, idols, and so he, one time he pulled into a Catholic church and it had a statue of Mary and it had statues worshiping statues <laughs> because it was, it was uh, Our Lady of Fatima Fat little, three and it had the three little her. children worshiping <laughs> the statue and he was just like, oh my gosh, is that, is that what we're doing? Is we're worshiping statues? No, not at all. First of all, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no gods besides me, you shall make no graven images uh, uh, for yourself. The graven images talking about was people would forge their own gods, their own idols, you know, and literally worship them as deities. When we have a statue of representing the saint angel, we're not making a graven image. We're making something that helps to draw our attention to a spiritual reality. So, first of all, all worship is due to God alone, period. Only God, the Lord your God, him alone shall you worship. That is bedrock. Amen. Preach it if any person says that. However... While all worship is due to God, not all prayer is worship. Prayer, in the strict sense, simply means to request. You sometimes see this in old medieval plays or Shakespearean playwrights saying, Oh, lend me help, neighbor, I pray thee. What, is they worshiping their neighbor? No, they're saying, please, it's an earnest request, please help me, please help me. And if I can ask a friend here on earth to help me, you better believe we can ask a friend in heaven to help me. And, you know, as our Lord said, when the Sadducees who denied that there is such thing as heaven or resurrected bodies or angels, Jesus said, have you not heard him say, called the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? He's not God of the dead, but of the living. You are sorely misled. And all are alive in Christ, especially the saints in heaven. So we are united to them. They are members of the church. They are church triumphant. And since they're my neighbor, then since they're my friend, we have friends in high places, you better believe I can pray to them, meaning asking them for their help. If I can ask an earthly friend for help, why can't I pray and ask? So any prayers that we pray to saints, you'll notice the words are specifically, there's no words about adoration, which is due to God alone. It's but all, there is a type of veneration. There is a veneration. Now, there is a praise. There is a praise. In the, saint, in the church calls it, uh, in, the, in the level of arm, there is uh, dulia, meaning certain dues, certain praise is due a person based on their merits, based on their accomplishments. You know, a guy who, you know, does an incredible heroic act, for example, he, we decorate him, we'll give him a, a medal, a silver star, a, a, the, the medal of honor. Imagine if a man did something incredible for his country and we just ignored him. That would be undue. That would be unjust. Yeah. No, credit where credit is due. And in these saints, their triumphs in God, their merits in God, when we praise their triumphs, when we praise their virtues, who are we praising? Not just the saint. The praise goes to the God who made them a saint. It's like God but made... But wouldn't you say that God... So, I, you know, great, great yeah. example. Uh, with with uh, praising them, I know that sometimes it's like, well, it's not... They didn't do it. Mm-hmm. It was God's grace in them that did it. So, therefore, they don't merit... Of course, this is more of a mm-hmm. Protestant. Sure, sure. They don't, they don't merit anything. And you can look at Mary like, well, if if... 
if I was without sin, you know, and perfect, <laughs> you know, and full of grace, right? Yeah. I mean, it would be easy, right? And would you say that? No, not at all. In fact, the closer you are to God, the heavier the cross. And Mary had great privation. I could give you a whole other uh, talk just on the seven sorrows related, just on the flight into Egypt alone and the privations they dealt with going days so without food. So she actually did merit in some ways. It wasn't like mm-hmm. God just controlling her like a puppet. No, the we have by her puppets. choice. We all have a choice to make. Yes, it is impossible to merit heaven apart from grace. Amen. But once you have grace, now you can merit because you are in Christ. And we are called, our Lord commands us to merit, he says, because he will come at the last day and repay each man according to his merits, according to his works. And because we have free will in that. Yeah. We, we, we aren't being forced. Yeah, exactly. And Mary wasn't Mary forced. forced. No, she, but she was, she was obedient obedient in everything she did. That's what her made her so perfect. And I think one of the good examples is Eve was perfect as well. Eve was Eve perfect was by nature. By nature. Mary was perfect by grace, right. which makes her far yeah. greater level of perfection. And but when, Eve fell. Eve right? fell by her own and choice. By her own choice, whereas Mary didn't. <laughs> Mary and so did we not. see a good example there yeah. of Mary clearly elevating by her free choice. Yes. That she and she merits the praise. Yes. There. And that's and that's the other thing about um, I'll give one last analogy on praise to Mary, praise to the saints, and why it's good to praise them. Imagine your best friends back in the day, you're with Michelangelo, and say he painted the Sistine Chapel for you as a gift, and then he presents it to you, saying, I made this masterpiece for you because I love you. And I choose not to look at it. So sorry, I can't look at it. Why? Because it'll take attention away from you. Yeah. How ridiculous. Wouldn't it rather if I look up the ceiling saying, this is the most magnificent piece of art I have ever seen. I'm praising the art. But who's receiving the praise? Yeah. The artist who made I the art. I guess even example then, like, <laughs> of a sunset. Yeah. You know, then you would be, we wouldn't be able to say, wow, that's a beautiful sunset. Thank you, God, for this amazing sunset. Exactly. Right? If we can't acknowledge the, the amazing virtue of the saints, exactly. we couldn't even acknowledge the beauty that's around us. All, that's why all praise to the saints, and especially all praise to Mary, they don't keep it for themselves. It goes to the God who made them great because he's like the master artist and he made us these masterpieces. Why? Because he loves us. Good. All right. Well, to finish up, I just want to talk about the rosary. Rosary is, of course, one of the best ways to be able to pray to Mary. It is. Uh, Could you give us a little bit of history about it? So the rosary is actually, you can find a rosary even in the Bible. I don't have time to launch it in two, but we just heard it in John's Gospel with the 153 fish. You know, and uh, and the net was not torn. That's a sign of the of the future coming Psalter of Our Lady, the joyful, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries. There's 153 Hail Marys in a full rosary. Also, the 150 Psalms written by David also point to the future coming of the rosary. That's why Our Lady always told the saints, "Pray my Psalter," meaning what? How many Psalms are 150? Her Lady Psalter. Uh, so the rosary started off in ancient times. Not as we know it today. It was primitive. It was just a collection of beads that people would say 150 Our Fathers or 150 Hail Marys in honor of the 150 Psalms because they wanted to pray like the monks, but most of them, you know, didn't. There's no such thing as printing presses back then. No way to you can't just you know pull up the they Psalms on the li- phone. And they weren't, weren't literate. Yeah, they weren't literate. They could remember, but they uh, but they were taught their basic prayers. They knew their Our Father. They knew their Hail Mary, and so in honor. You know, to, to participate in the worship of the church, of the, especially of the monks in their monasteries, the, the people do that. Now, the rosary, as we know it today, in its present form, is actually a, a, literally a gift from heaven, 
given by Our Lady to Saint Dominic when he was battling the Albigensian heresy, this terrible history that heresy that was sweeping across Europe. And for a whole year, Saint Dominic labored and made little headway, made few converts. He was losing. And he prayed to Mary, says, if you wanted me to defeat this, what, what am I supposed to do? I can't beat this. And she appeared to him, holding in her hand the rosary. And she said, by this, you will conquer. And that's how, you know, some people say, oh, that's just a legend. Or, no, that is real. That is how we got the rosary in its present form today. And then St. Dominic taking that rosary, taking that spiritual weapon that it is, he crushed the heresy in a year. All of Europe was converted and purified of this wicked heresy spreading uh, throughout the church by the prayer of the rosary. Now, the reason why the rosary is so powerful is not only because it's prayers not written by man, it's written by heaven. The Our Father and the Hail Mary, that's the prayers right from the gospel. We didn't make those prayers, God did. So one, you're using heavenly prayers. But second, it engages a human being as a body and a soul. We are two parts to our one nature. The rosary engages both parts of that nature. The body, the vocal prayers, praying the Our Father and the Hail Mary, and the, and the soul, the mind, that's where the intellect resides, meditating on the mysteries of salvation, of what God has done to save us, the story of God's love for us. And because it engages the whole person, it directs the whole person, if prayed well, naturally to God. So it gives the entire person, body and soul, over to God, and as a result, it smashes every evil. The devil, he can't read our minds. He can tell what's going on in our imagination. And when he sees a person meditating on the rosary, he can't stand to look at it. He has to get miles away. He, he wants to get away from that because he can't stand to look at the holy and he especially can't stand Our Lady because he knows she crushes his head as foretold by God. And if God, and if the devil hates anything, it's humility and nothing is more humility, humble, humbling than him than Our Lady's, the humble handmaid crushing his head. He'd much rather be defeated by God. He's like, oh, at least God could beat me. <laughs> but true. how humiliating. And that's what God does. He humiliates him. So when you pray the rosary, it is most powerful. Good. Because you are praying with, together with Mary, the, the greatest you know, you know, intercessor God gave us in Christ. And praying those prayers, it conforms you to the gospel. It conforms you to Christ. Well, thank you. One of the stories that I love about praying the rosary is about uh, the lady, the, the seers of, of Fatima. Mm. And uh, in Portugal in the early 18... 18- 1900s, and they uh, were uh, farmer or uh, sheep herders, and so they shepherds, yes. shepherds, uh, sheep herders, shepherds. <laughs> uh, they went out and they would uh, go out, and their mother would tell them to pray the rosary. Yes. And sometimes they would play, pray the rosary as we know it today. But some sometimes they were they wanted to play and they wanted to do other things, and so they do the quick. Rosary, yeah, short, they, a shorthand, shorthand rosary. rosary, and they would just say, "Our Father." Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail oh Mary, boy. Hail Mary, and Children, not, say, right? not say the entire prayer. And when Mary appeared to them, she told them, now when you pray the rosary, you need to pray the whole thing. <laughs> Just like a real mother, gently scolding. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know how to pray the rosary, of course there's resources. Uh, even I find one of the fruitful ways that you can do is just even look up on YouTube and to just pray along with someone who's already praying it. That kind of sometimes helps keep me a little bit focused uh, on it, as well as I also have resources, and there's plenty of resources online. Uh, so I encourage you to be able to pray that and to take um, 
use of such a great gift and mother that we have. Uh, to finish up, I just want to finish up with one of my favorite prayers. I think Absolutely. we were talking about it a little Father. bit earlier. My favorite prayer is the Memorari. When I mm. first heard it, I didn't understand it at all, and I actually didn't like it very much. Mm. But as I've gotten to pray it more, I've just found a greater devotion for it because I think it, it fills me with a lot of hope and just confidence in Mary. Absolutely. It shows all the tenderness of her motherly love for us. Yeah. Well, why don't we begin the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you on Sunday. Take